Have you dreamed of bigger things for your life? Then you are in the right place. Each week, you will be given tips on how to change your inner dialogue, conquer your goals, and ways to step into a higher version of yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Kubat. I'm a motivational speaker who hosts personal development events. I'm a sought-after fitness instructor, a wife, and a mom of two young boys. I'm obsessed with all things personal development, and I believe anyone can achieve the life they want. Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hello. Today we have an interview. It's been a few weeks since I've had an interview uh, guest on the show, and today is a really, really good one. And it perfectly relates to last week's episode, which is all about having appreciation for your body. Lizzie Cangro is, first of all, she has an accent, which I freaking love. She is from England. We get into all of that. But let me give you a little background on who Lizzie is, what she does, and all the fun stuff. So she is an internationally acclaimed nutritionist, wellness coach, and author with a passion for helping other women silence their inner mean girl, ditch the diets, and confidently step into the body they love. After struggling with an eating disorder for 10 years and being diagnosed with, listen to this, osteoporosis by the age of 20, uh, 22. In 2017, she founded Nutrition by Lizzie to help busy high achievers achieve sustainable long-term health and wellness without sacrificing their time. She has developed this unique framework and we go through each act, but it's called 12 Rebellious Acts in Nutrition, Movement, and Mindset, which helps empower women to feel amazing in their bodies, even if they've spent years at war with it. She also has a new book called Reclaim the Rebel, which outlines these game-changing tools in an easy-to-read and practical format with exercises to accompany each rebellious act so that readers can transform the way they see themselves in their bodies as they progress through the book. It's like she says, having a best friend on your bookshelf, I think you're just going to find her so relatable. She's so easy to talk to, great conversation. And if you want more of Lizzie, I leave all her information in, in the show notes. Also, I do want to share for those that are interested a couple of weeks ago, I shared my Moosley journey. I had something called Moosley. That's actually the pronunciation of it. A few months ago on a women's retreat, and it's really helped me with my digestion. It helps me stay full. It is tasty, and I have created it in my kitchen and I'm super excited about it. It has launched here in the Charleston area and I'm hoping to be able to ship it soon. We are figuring out all the details of how we can do that and make it feasible. But I just wanna give you a little background on that if you didn't listen to that episode about how I developed this high fiber, low sugar, uh, plant-based cereal. You can eat it cold or warm. And it's called Moosley. And like I said, I created this after attending a retreat, but I found myself tweaking so many things. 
And I finally came up with something that was yummy, included a variety of plants to promote a healthy gut, which we talk about today. And I didn't want it to include artificial flavorings because we all know that artificial flavorings, yeah, they can taste good, but they're not... uh, not so great for our body and I wanted to offer something that didn't have that. So as of now, Moosley is only available to Charleston locals, but stay tuned and the way you can do that is you can follow at Moosley Cereal on Instagram. That's at Moosley Cereal on Instagram. You can also follow me, my personal handles at Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N period Kubat, K-U-B-A-T. And I will share all of that in the show notes. But I I love this podcast because I feel like I'm talking to people that are like me. I feel like you are my friend, even if I've never met you before. So I wanted to share that uh, that journey of starting this consumer good product, good CPG. It has a it has an acronym. I just discovered that, but uh, stay tuned for that. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. Today I have Lizzie Cangro and I feel like, I don't know, I don't want to pull a Michael Scott, but she's from England and I feel like I want to talk English and I know that is like terrible, but that I just, I love accents. I feel like they're so, so fun. Do you feel you're from England? So do you feel like you ever want to imitate Americans or not really? I've tried and <laughs> unsuccessfully tried. Um, I think the funniest was when um, my husband met my family in, in England. And so my grandmother took it upon herself to try and put on an American accent. And it sounded somewhere across between Texan and somewhere in you know, India. <laughs> it, was, oh my God. it was very amusing to try. And <laughs> oh, my God. So your husband <laughs> is American? He is. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's from LA. Um, and so we now live in, in California. Um, I think it was the better pick between the weather in England and the weather in California. Oh my gosh. We, where we ended up. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine all the movies always have cold, uh, dreary weather. And that's what I picture when I picture England is just like kind of rainy and cloudy and sunny. Yeah. Um, California is super, super sunny, but I want to get into, So you're a nutritionist now, and I want you to share your experience and how you came to be a nutritionist and what led you to that journey. Yeah. um, Great question. So the short answer is, is that I am so passionate about helping women achieve confidence and inner peace within their own bodies because I've been on my own journey to achieving that. So as a teenager, I developed a 10-year eating disorder as a result of not trusting myself with my food choices. I actually go into more detail about it in my book, Reclaim the Rebel, um, about how it all started. And really it was when my, my granddad passed away and I, in my naivety, thought that I had a role within that because I had um, baked him his favorite cake to help him feel better whilst he was going through chemotherapy. And um, a couple of days later, he actually passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And so 
I knew from that moment that I didn't want that to happen again. And so decided to research what healthy eating meant, what it looked like. Um, And the more that I read magazines and kind of went on the internet to, to search for um, you know, advice outside of my own body, the more I stopped trusting myself with, with my food choices. And I got very, very ill. And um, throughout my eating disorder, I really battled with my own inner mean girl, as well as the advice from the diet industry um, and people telling me what to do with my own body. And I think, you know, after I recovered, that was really my I found my purpose in life, which is to to help women who have gone through similar struggles, not necessarily full-blown eating disorder, but maybe who have been on the yo-yo dieting cycle for years or who um, are confused by all the conflicting advice out there, who maybe look in the mirror and um, don't like what they see, who, you know, the inner mean girl gets particularly loud. Um, so that we can just feel that inner peace and confidence within ourselves and, and can stop sort of um, that self-abuse cycle. Mm. It's so interesting that you say that. So I am a group fitness instructor and, you know, I'm in the gym, gym setting all the time. And, you know, I'm exposed to lots of different women on different parts of the fitness journey. And, um, you know, I include myself in, in this as well is we can be our own worst critic and we can be so mean to ourselves and just think so poorly of our bodies. I actually talked about, um, how to have more love and appreciation for our bodies on last week's podcast. So I think this is the perfect segue, but how old were you when you developed your eating disorder and what was the specifics of it? Was it bulimia? Was it anorexia? Um, what was your, what was your experience like there? And yeah, so I was 14 years old and I developed anorexia. Mm. Um, and, I kind of, it, it, I believe it started off being orthorexia, but at the time it hadn't really been um, classified as that. Can you, um, d- can you decipher between orthorexia? Because it's a new word. I would <laughs> say newish word um, in the last several years, but can you explain to the listeners what orthorexia is? Yeah. Orthorexia is essentially, um, an unhealthy obsession with being healthy. Mm. Um, so ortho is in Greek, I believe, um, health and then rexia is, is there. So orthorexia tends to manifest in behaviors such as only wanting to eat, um, so-called clean foods or healthy, the healthiest foods, working out excessive amounts in the gym. So not necessarily. So anorexia is a fear of weight gain. Um, and so the, the two can kind of overlap and, you know, my orthorexia, I think fed into later anorexia where I was trying to mm, recover, but then I had that fear of gaining weight. So the two can kind of, I, I hate putting things in boxes because I feel like it's, things like eating disorders are so complicated that it's almost unhelpful to try and kind of like put a label on them. Um, it really is the spectrum, but the, those two, are, that's kind of the difference between the two. So um, you can 
kind of, if you're suffering from an eating disorder, you can flow between those two um, states as well as bulimia, which is um, where you have a fear of weight gain and will use, um, you know, your self-induced vomiting um, and maybe go through that cycle of binge eating um, and vomiting to keep your weight low. Um, and then you've got binge eating disorder, which is bulimia without the purging without throwing up. Mm. So how, so you said 10 years where, where your, was your family concerned or did they know about it? Or is it something that you hid? Uh, walk us through that. Yeah. So, um, when I was 14 years old, I kind of took it upon myself to sort of go on this mission to learn how to be healthy. And I think my parents picked up on this probably within six months, they sort of noticed that, you know, I love to run, but, um, in kind of my descent into my eating disorder, I ran more and I was getting skinnier and skinnier because I wasn't fueling my body. So I think it was very apparent in not only my behaviors, but also, you know, my physical appearance was declining. Um, and so it all really manifested when I was 15 and I found myself in this doctor's office where, um, you know, my parents had kind of said, you know, we need to, we need to get, you know, have a checkup and they kind of, <laughs> I mentioned this in my book, I felt like I'd been tricked into, into going to the doctors because mm-hmm. I had to miss out on running. Um, and it was then where the doctor tried to take my pulse, take my blood and they couldn't take blood. It was like taking blood from a stone. Um, my pulse was, um, 30 beats per minute, um, which mm-hmm. is insanely low. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, he said, you need to go to the A&E accident and emergency or the American equivalent, the ER. And that's when, um, you know, I got full um, intervention from my parents, but also um, the NHS, the National Health Service in, in, in England. And so it kind of, it got picked up on pretty quickly. But I think the narrative behind beating disorder of you know really I'm not good enough and my very low self-esteem kept me very ill for a very long time so it was kind of that combination of the inner mean girl but also all of this confusing information out there that I was talking about that really kept me trapped for a long time and I remember when this all happened I wanted to get better I was shocked I was very Harry. Okay. He wants to be part of it. He wants to be part of that. I know. I know. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I really wanted to recover, but something stopped me from being able to, and it was very, very frustrating. And I think at, at one point I really did give up and just kind of think, well, this is, this is me this is who I am. And that is actually a very dangerous place to be in when you kind of almost sit in a, in a victim mentality and think, well, you know, I give up mm-hmm. um, because that's when you kind of become trapped and stuck in that identity of I am this person, this is my life. Um, so yeah, it really the, the key <laughs> was actually um, when I was at work one day, I was, I was working in Starbucks in my first job and um, I felt a pull 
in my lower back. And I have been told one of the side effects of, of having anorexia is that you can really um, uh, harm your bones and it's an irreversible thing. And so I was concerned about this, went to my doctor again, without my parents knowing that, <laughs> because I, at that point I had kind of given up and, and I didn't want help. Mm-hmm. Um, but this scared me and I went to the doctor and got a bone scan and it revealed that I had osteoporosis at the age of 22 wow. and osteoporosis is something that's associated with postmenopausal women. And that is something that I did not identify as I was like, I am not a postmenopausal woman and I do not, you know, that is not a um, disease that I am willing to accept. So that's when I really did something about it and started to actually look after my body and learn what I needed to do to repair it and, and heal physically, but also emotionally. Um, mm. So it was almost like a slap in the face, so to speak, like, okay, I can't continue down this road of destruction. Um, but I assume to heal yourself, was it, what did you go to a specific treatment or were you able to just change your mindset around that? Or what happened after you got that, that diagnosis? Yeah, good question. And and I think it's like any journey into actually loving yourself and um and achieving that higher level of self-worth, self-esteem. It's not a linear process. So it wasn't just kind of all of a sudden the lights went on and, and I was better. It was a slow process of actually um looking after my nutrition. So I took responsibility for it. I I started on calcium supplements to help with my bones, but then I started Um, I actually studied um, for a nutrition degree. I studied through a master's and there I actually learned about proper nutrition. Um, I started going to the gym and doing Pilates because my doctor said that Pilates would be very helpful in um, improving bone density. And I listened to the instructor um, and kind of started to resolve my relationship with exercise, but that kind of took a little bit longer. You know, some days I went back into wanting to over exercise and, you know, use exercise as a form of self-abuse. So that took a little bit of time to really resolve. Um, but once my relationship with my food improved, then I could kind of move on to my relationship with my exercise Um, and it was funny because it was only until I moved to the U S did I realize that I needed to work on my mindset as well. So I was doing everything physically now to, to heal my body. I got my bone scan results back, um, three years later and it had improved. I'd gone from osteoporosis to osteopenia, which is a slightly, um, less severe form of bone loss which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still not nourishing my mind with the type of stories that are conducive to self-love and self-care. So um, I started to go into the personal development realm and dive deep into that. And I started to hire mentors to help me change my stories, change those deep, deep, deep rooted beliefs um, that probably set the scene for my eating disorder, but also, you know, generally um, some of the 
um, limitations that I had for myself in terms of my relationships, my career, all of those sorts of things. So it really was a very gradual process. And along the way, I had help with, you know, experts in nutrition from my um, degree. I had help from the doctors. I had help from, you know, um, wellness experts, you know, life coaches. Um, I read books on personal development um, and just really kind of found what worked for me um, and tried to, uh, I hate the word try, but focus on what really worked for me as opposed to looking outside of myself. And that was really the key to healing my relationship with myself was to kind of go back within. I love that. And in our work and it, it, it sounded like it took a team and it took you realizing like, Hey, I, you know, don't want to do this by myself and I need the help of others. And I think that's very admirable. And I think it's so cool because your journey has led you to helping other women on their journey. And you've come up with 12 rebellious acts to reclaim unconditional love for your body. So I think it'd be really cool for you to kind of go through the, these steps for the listeners, because I don't care who you are. You can have the most, you know, confidence in the whole entire world, but there are areas and there are struggles that still come up where you're like, "Mm, you're looking at your body in a certain way, or your mindset needs to be improved. It doesn't matter who you are. So I think it'd be really cool if you can explain to us what the 12 acts are. Yeah. So, um, one of the 12 acts is actually having a cheer squad. So as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I think it's so, so important to, um, have a team, a support team behind you, including the experts, but also your own friends and family. So, um, in fact, it all kind of really started with that doctor's appointment, but then I opened up to my mom and dad and said, you know, I really want help now. Um, so letting them in was so, so important and, you know, being on the same team, um, as them, as a, still a, a young adult, Um, that was crucial having a really strong friendship group. Um, you know, my best friend stood by my side throughout my illness and that was really, really important to me and meant a lot. Um, I now have a very, very supportive husband, um, who will kind of, you know, hold my hand through those kind of moments because we still have those moments, right. Mm -hmm. As you, as you said, um, so that really is, is, is key. So having a cheer squad, what do you back. recommend to women that are, cause I know there are some girls, women who are struggling with this and they don't have the support, uh, family members or friends. They can have, maybe they're the per- people that are important in their lives. Don't understand the condition. They're like, well, it's just so easy. Why don't you just, you know, just eat, just eat, you know, or whatever it is. What recommendations do you have for those people that don't have a um, healthy support group? Yeah. And, and first of all, I, I say, I see you. Um, and I definitely had those experiences also, um, you know, with extended family members, for example, who would say, you know, why don't you just eat? Um, and I think the first thing is to, is to give those people, send those people compassion, you know, cause it can be very frustrating when you're on the other end of those messages and sort of, you know, go, Oh, they don't understand. 
Um, but there are a lot of people out there who want to, well, your friends and family do want to help. It's just coming from a place of them not being able to fully understand because they haven't been through it. Mm -hmm. So um, there are people and places that you can go to who have had those experiences and do have that understanding. Um, So that's why, for example, I have a Facebook community called Your Cheer Squad where you can go and, um, you know, have that support from like-minded individuals who have had a similar experience. You can listen to podcasts just like Lauren's, um, where you can go and get that um, really, um, you know, authentic um, and understanding um, perspective so that you don't feel isolated. So whilst you may not have, you know, necessarily the understandings from your close friends and family you know you can go to other places and feel understood um, and feel like you're not alone yeah that's the Um, power of social media nowadays I mean it does have its negative aspects but there are so many different groups that you can join and I love that your cheer squad so if you need that I'll leave all that information in the show notes but they can find it on like Facebook or something like that yeah Mm -hmm. that's correct yeah yeah. Awesome. So go into your next act of rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm going to mention two. So um, it's actually the first rebellious act in my book, which is live your life backwards. And then the second one is rewrite your story. Um, and those two really go hand in hand because I feel like a lot of people feel like they have to achieve a goal in order to be happy, in order to have a body that they want, in order to have the relationship that they want. Um, whereas the concept of living your life backwards is just to embody and step into that version of yourself who you want to become, just become her now. Um, and that goes hand in hand with rewriting your stories because if you if you rewrite your stories, you'll more easily be able to step into that version of yourself Um, because the old version of you has certain stories about not being good enough, about not being capable, about this, that, and the other that are holding you back, keeping you stuck. Whereas the new version of yourself, the one that you want to step into has a whole different set of stories. Um, So if we can rewrite our stories, then it becomes more easy it becomes easier to step into the version that you want to become and really achieve that a lot quicker than say for example working from a place of well I need to do this that and the other and then I'll achieve this just step Mm -hmm. into the new stories that new identity and and you will achieve everything a lot quicker so that's why I said earlier I don't like the word try because try is a word that comes with um, a lot of negative connotations like the struggle it feels hard Um, so I encourage women to be very careful with their words um, you know when they're talking about themselves their bodies and also um, you know their behaviors around what they're doing to look after their bodies Mm-hmm. Because that all feeds into our stories and therefore our identity about who we are. For sure. Do you have um, a quick tip for women that are struggling with, they're so caught up in this particular mindset. What have you done to begin that journey to rewrite your story? Is it journaling? Is it meditating? What tip has really helped you begin that 
that process of rewriting your own story? Yeah, good question. And I think the first step really is awareness because we can be so stuck in our old stories that they just become so automatic. We don't even realize that we're telling ourselves these really harmful um, and hurtful things. So the first thing is to be aware. And what I like to do in the morning is just kind of think about how I want to feel during the day. And throughout the day, I choose thoughts that are in alignment with Um, feeling good and loving myself and um, that feel empowering. But before I do that, I have to be aware of some of the negative limiting beliefs that I might have, acknowledge those and just flip them into Mm. something that feels more empowering. So I like to say, you know, it's like when you choose your clothes in the morning, you choose what feels good to you and how you want to kind of um, uh, feel. So It's just like that with your thoughts, you know, once you have that awareness of thoughts that make you feel um, maybe icky and and not so good, you can then start, you know, pushing those to one side and pick out the thoughts that actually fit you and the um, goal of um, having more inner peace, having more confidence um, and feeling good in your body. I love that visualization. I never thought of it that way. I, I think of it like, like you said, awareness and setting intention, but like, trying these on, like, does this feel good right now? Mm, No, this is a little bit (laughs) baggy. I don't like it. It's weighing me down. How can I choose something that is going to feel more, more comfortable for, you know, my intention, the way I want to live. Love that. Uh, Give us another rebellious act. Yeah. So rebellious act number three is um, take off your glasses. And this came about because (laughs) um, I used to use my glasses to hide my face because I had the story of I'm not pretty enough. And so really the idea is not only do we need to be aware of the words that we use and look at ourselves differently from a thought perspective, but we also um, need to look at ourselves differently when we look in the mirror. Um, And so I changed my story from I'm not pretty enough to um, something more powering, like I have beautiful eyes, I have nice skin. And I did that through what I called the mirror exercise. It was originally um, Louise Hay came up, came up with the concept, but um, the mirror exercise to me is taking your glasses off. It's actually seeing yourself through the lens of having unconditional love for yourself, looking at your body and actually going, oh, wow, I really like what I see. You can't, you know, um, expect again to change this overnight, but it's a rebellious act that is so, so simple, but also really, really powerful when you practice it consistently. Um, So it literally involves looking in the mirror and telling yourself nice things about your nice stories about your body. Um, So taking your glasses off, taking those kind of self-abusive glasses off and actually looking at your body from a perspective of love and kindness. Mm. Um, So that is that's a game changing one um, for a lot of women, because I know so many women look at themselves and go, oh, I have saggy boobs. Oh, my bum is super flat. Oh, I got, you know, huge thighs so many hurtful stories. So many, so many. Yes. That I know women that are in their car right now are getting ready for the day or like nodding their heads because that is so relatable that we can be so mean when we look at ourselves, but taking our glasses off and be like, you know what? 
well, how can I look at this in a different light? Like whether it's, it's stretch marks or, you know, a, a flatter bum or whatever it is, as you call it, I like that word bum, <laughs> I'm going to start using <laughs> that for, but really have appreciation for this beautiful vessel that, you know, is our body. Yeah. And it's not necessarily faking things as well. It's reframing your language to something that feels better for you. So for example, I had the massive scar across my stomach from when I had operation as a baby. Mm. And I used to hate my stomach because the, the scar kind of gives me a little bit of the, it kind of gives me an indent. And so I was so self-conscious about wearing a bikini, but my way of reframing it was it's my survival scar. I'm not saying to myself, oh my gosh, I love my scar. It's amazing because that didn't feel right to me, but calling it my survival scar felt right. It felt empowering. It felt aligned to, you know, my body is incredible. And I think that's a really important distinction. I'm not asking women to, you know, fake themselves into loving their body I'm asking them to choose stories and beliefs that just feel more empowering than the hurtful things that we can tell ourselves Mm. so with stretch marks you know you don't go oh my gosh I love my stretch marks you can you know have that story if that feels good to you but you can say you know I'm so grateful for my stretch marks because um, they're a reminder of how incredible my body is in growing a baby um, or you know uh, I don't know, like seeing wrinkles on your face, you know, that's an experience of the, you know, all of the life that I've experienced. So mm-hmm. we can choose stories that feel good to us. They don't have to be, you know, stories that feel fake. I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. Choosing stories that are, are real to us and, you know, not falling into being fake when it, that's not our story necessarily, you know, and for some women it might be, but for most, it's not, it's not about faking your story. It's about having a different understanding and changing your perspective into one that feels, feels good to you. Valid point. Give us another one. Okay. Rebellious act number four is prioritizing yourself. Now this Mm. is a big trigger for a lot of women because we've been told that it is selfish to put ourselves first. Um, and you know, in order to be a good person, we have to prioritize everybody else ahead of our needs and everything ahead of our needs, including work. Um, so the rebellious act of prioritizing ourselves is really reclaiming our self-worth and realizing it's not a matter of being selfish. It is a matter of self-worth to be able to prioritize ourselves because it's just like, you know, what they say when you go on the air, uh, on an aircraft and they say, all right, so safety announcement, um, uh, when, um, if the oxygen mask, um, comes down, make sure you adjust that and, and sort that out for yourself before helping others. And it's, you know, important in an emergency situation, of course, but it's also important in our daily lives. We cannot be any good to anybody if we're, you know, hospitalized and, you know, suffering chronic fatigue or, you know, completely drained of energy because we haven't taken care of ourselves. Um, So I think a lot of women want to do their best with their partner, their kids, their jobs, their friends. um, But you know, at the end of the day, they're left feeling completely drained. So it's actually, how do we learn to prioritize our needs, even when we have all these other things 
going on in our lives that are important to us. We value all of these things um, and all of these people, but how about we also value ourselves? Because isn't it so true that we prioritize what we value? So by saying, you know, I'm not going to prioritize myself, you're actually saying that I'm not valuing myself. Mm-hmm. So it's really an exercise in um, how do we increase our self-worth? And I'm actually looking at a post-it note above my desk right now that says I am valuable. And that's one of the things that I like to do to remind myself and to have that constant anchor of, you know, I love everybody else in my life. I love everything in my life, but it's also important to go, yeah, I'm also valuable. I'm going to, you know, tell myself this. I'm going to use words of affirmation. Um, You know, other people really resonate with, um, you know, um, giving themselves time every single day, you know, quality time just to themselves, to journal, to meditate. Um, And so from, from that, we can really start to show ourselves value. And I've actually come up with a concept um, called your self-love language. So so those of you who know about the love languages by Gary Chapman, I love, 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 love his work. Mm -hmm. But I, I was reading this and I was like, huh, how about we turn this around and actually use the love languages on ourselves? So, um, you know, instead of kind of using the love languages to communicate love for our partner, we can use the love languages to communicate love for ourselves. So I developed a quiz where you can find out your own self-love language, um, nutritionbylizzy.com forward slash quiz. And there's some ideas about how you can use your self-love language on yourself. You know, five minutes a day is all it takes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and you know, these are really simple, easy, but effective ways that you can use that's tailored to you and your own, um, preference to how your brain will kind of receive that message of, I am valuable. Um, and you know, as I say, it doesn't have to take hours and hours of meditation or taking yourself off on a, on a huge shopping spree or whatever. Um, because in reality we are all busy. Totally, totally. And going off of what you're saying, it's funny. Like we read books to strengthen our relationship with our partner and our kids, but how often are we besides, I guess, personal development books and things like that, this podcast definitely, hopefully it helps. And that's my goal, but like taking the time like your quiz. That's so interesting. It's not something that I would think about, but to actually sit down and realize, okay, what, how do I show love for myself and how, um, how can I better, I guess, treat myself in, in times where I really, really need it. Right. We don't, we don't stop to actually think about that. So I love, love that you, uh, that you said that. So what is your next rebellious act that you have for us? Okay. Rebellious act number five is um, being vulnerable. So um, we kind of delved into it a little bit earlier, but I feel like the, the narrative is that, you know, we have to do this all alone. It's weak to show vulnerability. Um, you know, I think in the age of the social medias, <laughs> um, it's very tempting to want to show up as 
perfect. And um, when in reality, you know, our lives are naturally just full of imperfections and that's what makes us human. Um, but it's something that our inner mean girl really likes to feed on. You know, she'll shame us about um, not being perfect and she'll judge us for not being um, like somebody else. So in being vulnerable, it's actually a very courageous thing to to act on. And um, once we're able to do this, we can actually show up as our authentic selves and cause a greater kind of um, bond with other people. Mm -hmm. So um, for example, I had this huge, huge um, barrier to actually showing up and sharing my story about, um, you know, having my eating disorder and my journey. And that was precluding me from actually being able to help other women because I wasn't fully expressing, you know, who I am and my story. And um, I think the more that we're able to actually kind of, you know, put our mean girl aside and, you know, say, well, this is my, this is my experience, um, you know, and love ourselves through that experience, um, you know, show ourselves some self-kindness and self-compassion um, and sort of like put our hand up and say like, hey, my experience isn't perfect, but, you know, um, this, this is it. Um, the more we're able to, to have those deep, meaningful connections and, and kind of bonds with other people. And that is a very, very powerful thing. Um, Absolutely. I love yeah. that you said that too, is I think some people naturally put their guard up, right. To protect themselves. But I've realized the deeper relationships that I have were created through vulnerability. And for me personally in college, something that I suffered with high school as well, a little bit was social anxiety. And when I just kind of put my story out there and I said, like, this is me, this is what I suffer with sometimes, uh, that really helped other people who experience the same thing go, oh, you know, she does. And I do as well. And a lot of women have expressed the same type of story that I had. And it's so nice to actually let your guard down and be like, I'm human. I'm experiencing this too. And to have somebody to talk to about, you know, the struggles that you're facing, because sometimes it, it feels just, you know, sometimes you're not looking for an answer necessarily, but just a means to express yourself and get all those thoughts that are just sitting there in your head and just like word vomit and get them out, you know? Yeah. And, and it also, it's beautiful because you're actually giving other people permission to be vulnerable. Um, and so by being vulnerable yourself and, you know, letting yourself be seen, you're also allowing others to be seen. And, you know, I think again, kind of going back to a lot of women wanting to give to other people, you know, that is a really huge gift to be able to give somebody to allow them to express themselves, allow them to let all of that stuff go and just kind of have that self-compassion. You're providing kind of, you know, space for them too, which is, which is really, really cool. Totally. Totally. Love that. So act number six, six, the give yourself. Mm -hmm. 
which I believe it was the hardest chapter in my book for me to write. And I think it's a very difficult thing for a lot of us to, to do because mm, forgiving yourself requires a lot of self-compassion, just like being vulnerable, but it also involves looking at our past and mm, letting go of a lot of the painful stuff that we are holding against ourselves. Um, and the exercise that I mentioned in the book really involves, um, you know, having the vision of your inner child, the young version of yourself who, you know, maybe we have neglected and um, also not allowed to kind of ourselves to forgive. And, you know, going through that process of, you know, looking at the younger version of yourself and going, oh my goodness, I have done this to myself for so, so long. That in itself can feel very painful, but forgiving yourself really involves letting go of heavy emotions like guilt, shame, judgment. Um, and again, you know, it's kind of opening up the emotional floodgates um, to, to, to some things that we try to kind of, you know, push down. But by pushing it down, it's actually just causing us more pain. So um, forgiving yourself is, is a highly rebellious thing because, you know, it's once we can do it, we're actually moving ourselves from kind of past emotions to really enjoying the present and just allowing ourselves to be where we are right now. Um, yeah, I would totally agree with uh, forgiving yourself for ever, anything. I feel like it's the hardest one when it comes to, especially like, I feel like with relationships and my kids, I find that they forgive me way faster than I forgive myself when I've like stressed out or I snapped or whatever it is, I will apologize and then, you know, they've moved on. They're already happy go lucky. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why did I do that? And uh, I feel like that takes constant effort and mindset change to be like, hey, I'm human. I made a mistake. I'm going to forgive myself for that. So love, love that act. What do you have next for us? All right. So the next one is trusting your gut. And you talked a little bit about kind of my story with learning how to trust my own body. Um, but um, trusting your gut is essentially, you know, listening to your own body's um, signals when it comes to how to nourish it. So for example, tuning into your own body's hunger signals. Um, I think most of us, there are exceptions, know what it feels like to feel hungry at some point. Um, so, you know, you might hear your stomach rumbling. You might get a little bit hangry. That's me in the morning <laughs> if I don't have breakfast. Um, you know, you might even kind of like feel a little bit lightheaded. Um, so tuning into those kind of subtle signals um, to inform your eating behaviors is really powerful as opposed to being told externally what to eat, how much to eat. Um, you know, go on this juice cleanse, go on this bad diet, um, because when we're able to kind of like break that, um, 
reliance on the diet industry and what other people are telling us to, to do to, to nourish ourselves, it's actually very, very empowering and we're taking responsibility for our own um, food choices. So, you know, if mm-hmm. we're able to do that, then we can <laughs> stop wasting so much time, so much money and so much energy worrying about, you know, how to how to fuel our own bodies when mm-hmm. in fact they're pretty sophisticated and know what to do already right isn't it so weird like if you think about our ancestors they didn't have you know all the access to magazines and all these like podcasts and access to a scale or you know all these devices that we have or fitness trackers and all these things they listen to their bodies and we have just kind of gone off, I don't know, side railed from, from what is natural to us. Right. And we have so many things coming at us that we, instead of listening to what is going on in ourselves, in our body, in our mind, that we look for outside sources to tell us how we should feel. So I love that, um, recommendation that you said, like, just listen to yourself. What is your body telling you? You know, and you can just start with simple cues. Like, how does my stomach feel right now? What, what does my gut actually feel like right now? What, what do I think it's telling me? And I think a good way to do that too, is like, if you are on your own journey of becoming a healthier person is starting with, uh, tuning into yourself and just getting very, very basic instead of focusing on fitness trackers or, you know, the number of steps on your watch, why don't you take pen to paper and just like write down exactly how your body and your mind is feeling. And is it telling you it's tired? Is it telling you that, uh, it's cranky? Is it telling you that it's, it's full? What, what is it? So I love that act. And I think it's really important to get granular on that. So what do you have for us next? Uh, number eight, Rebellious Act eight is mood pleasure, not punishment. Mm. And this one's one that is very, very close to my heart because as I mentioned before, I would use running as a form of self-abuse because I was kind of running away from my own feelings of inadequacy. And um in learning how to actually enjoy moving my body again, I created a lot of um, self-compassion, but also freedom and peace with my body. And I feel like a lot of women, when we hit um, kind of the teen years, we can um, become a lot more self-conscious in our bodies. And that includes our movement. And I see this, you know, when I go to the gym, you know, um, some women, feel very self-conscious even stepping onto a gym floor Mm -hmm. and you know they kind of force themselves into a class or onto the treadmill because they feel like they should do it um some women you know will go to the gym and spend hours on the treadmill using you know um that as a form of um movement because they feel like they should be doing it And so really moving to pleasure and not punishment is all about um, letting go of the need to exercise for a particular purpose other than just pure enjoyment and love for doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I, I love running. I love dancing. I love walking in nature. Those are the things that bring me joy. Um, And so I encourage other women 
to you know think about the types of movement that they love that brings them happiness um and in doing so you'll move away from that kind of I must work out um, because, you know, an external source again told me to, but more I'm doing it because it feels good. I'm having fun um, and bonus. It's really good for my health and, you know, it's getting me to where I want to be physically. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's moving to pleasure and not punishment. Oh, I love that. Uh, That's kind of how my fitness journey started was, I was running just solely to lose, lose weight. And it's something that I struggled with. And over the years, when I changed my mindset around exercise, how I use it now is kind of my therapy and also a way to challenge myself because kind of what you were saying too, is listening to your cues. So there are times at the gym where I'm like, this is really, really hard this is really hard, but I think about like, you are choosing this type of hard because you want to become physically and mentally stronger. And it's a choice. We can choose to look at exercise in a different light and it doesn't have to be riddled with with punishment. And that's not why we move our bodies. It's not for punishment and and it shouldn't be. Um, and hopefully by listening, you know, to your recommendations, listener, listeners listening to Lizzie right now is realizing like, even if you're at that point right now where it is as punishment, asking yourself, how can I change it? How can I make this more enjoyable and not solely to look a certain way? Absolutely. And, you know, that kind of brings us nicely into rebellious act number nine, and that is easing up. Um, Because sometimes the kindest thing that you can do for yourself in terms of movement, um, but also other areas of your life is to ease up and to rest. Um, because, you know, over-exercising, as I'm sure you know, is actually um, damaging to your body. It can cause Mm -hmm. injury, which means that you can't um, work out. You can't Mm -hmm. use that as a form of punishment if you're injured. Um, and so, you know, you, you, it's important to kind of like give your body that chance to recuperate and to rest. And so that's why easing up is another rebellious act. Um, because in addition to kind of that world of fitness, I feel like there's this general, mm, uh, sense in our culture that it's important to kind of always be hustling, always be mm. kind of like on the go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether or not that is in the gym or in terms of our work, in terms of not getting enough sleep, um, in terms of, you know, not being able to, to take time out just to have fun and to play mm-hmm. and just do things for the sake of doing them. I mean, I, I'm a recovered overdoer. Like if it wasn't for a particular purpose, I wouldn't do it. And that sucks all the fun out of life. Like what's the point in going through life, just kind of like constantly like churning through things and having a to-do list if you're not enjoying yourself. Um, And again, you know, that is important for your mental health, but also your physical health, because if we're not resting, that's actually really counterproductive to, you know, our physical goals. So if we don't get enough sleep, our hunger hormones change, you know, ghrelin, 
the um, hormone that makes us feel hungry, that increases if mm. we're not well rested. Um, again, you know, with injuries, you know, those can increase if we're not well rested. We can become more moody and grouchy and therefore, you know, our relationships kind of change. So Definitely. easing up is a really important rebellious act. Definitely. Highly recommend that because as as humans, as the way our life is set up right now, it's like, go, go, go. I was driving somewhere the other day and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was during rush hour and people are just zooming in and out and just cutting people off. And it's just like this crazy spiral of go, 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 go that we don't pause to stop. And then we get angry. It's just like, we've set our lives up just to be so busy and we book ourselves, you know, back to back where we don't allow ourselves to play enough. So I love, I love that recommendation. What do you have for our, your next one? Uh, it's to dress up or down. And this is from a place of observing not only myself, but also my friends that some women can feel very uncomfortable not wearing makeup in front of their partner, needing to, feeling the need to, you know, be fully dressed up all the time, you know, putting a lot of pressure on how they um, appear to the outside world. And then some friends who maybe are afraid to dress up, you know, they kind of find um, comfort in just kind of just sitting in their sweats all day and they kind of feel very um, uncomfortable being able to dress up. And so the idea of um, dress up all down is actually being able to allow ourselves to wear whatever the F we want. <laughs> so, you know, having that permission to adorn our bodies in a way that is aligned to love and not feeling the pressure to either be, you know, have a full counter of makeup on our face every hour of the day, but also, you know, allowing ourselves to look after our bodies and, you know, maybe, um, you know, dress up occasionally and realizing that it's not vain to care about the way that we look, because I think there is an undertone of, well, if you are, you know, concerned about your appearance or think about your appearance, that makes you vain. And mm. that can cause a lot of like shame and judgment in itself. Whereas in fact, I believe that, you know, using our clothes and our makeup and the way that we kind of care for ourselves externally is a form of self-love when it's used um, with the appropriate energy of this feels good. Totally. I like that. That looks cute. I'm yeah. going to do this. And it's like an expression of our mood when you, it kind of goes back to one of your acts where you're talking about trying different things on. How is this going to feel? How, how do you want your mood to reflect um, through your outside appearance appearance? So if you're like, I really want to be energized and on top of my game today and feeling super confident. What does that look like to you? And how can you express that through your outward appearance? Absolutely. And it's a great way of embodying your alter ego or that version of yourself who you you're becoming, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a great visual to, to utilize and to, mm -hmm. and to draw on. So, yeah. Totally. 
So are we on 11 or is this 12? We're on 11. So this is um, the Rebellious Act letting go of comparison. Mm. And it's a huge one for me because (laughs) I used to shit on myself a lot about how um, I needed to look, how I needed to be, because I was comparing myself to other women. Mm. And mm, by comparing ourselves to other women, what we're actually doing is we're putting like this whole gauntlet of scales, tape measures, um, and other very subjective things in the way of our happiness. Mm. Um, and <laughs> what I realized is that we're all unique. And so, you know, we can't possibly compare ourselves to other women. And if we're able to, you know, realize that and let that go and start actually being grateful for what we have ourselves, we can become happier within ourselves, but also we can be happy for other women. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is, is very, very empowering. So what I use to let go of comparison is gratitude Mm. because again, when we're in comparison, we're looking at things outside of ourselves. We're going, Oh, well, I don't have that. I don't have that. She's got that. Um, But gratitude kind of brings it all back to us and goes, well, what do I have that I'm Mm. grateful for? Um, And so that's a really, that's been a huge, huge, huge one for me in my own journey because, when I first moved to Southern California, I'm British. I have naturally paler skin and I was surrounded by all of these amazingly tan toned bodies. <laughs> and I used to go and get a spray tan every single week because I was shitting on myself, mm-hmm. comparing myself <laughs> to these bodies and going, well, I should look like that. So I was wasting like $50 a week and um covering up who I really was because I was comparing myself but then when the pandemic hit (laughs) I my illusion shattered because guess what I couldn't go and get my spray tan and I wasn't going to do the DIY thing because I tried that before um and it didn't work out so well turn out orange yeah yeah And, and so I was just I it sounds Um, It sounds really funny right now, but at the time I was distraught because I had been using this as a way of kind of covering up my own insecurities um, Mm -hmm. and my own kind of comparisons. So um, what I found was going back to gratitude for, you know, my own body really, really helped me kind of let go of some of the shitting on and actually appreciate my English complexion and all of that kind of like good stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so yeah. I love the terminology that you use shitting on your on yourself because we do that all the time, right? <laughs> it's like stop yes. shitting on yourself. And I would imagine out of all the places that you can be in America, coming from like England and then coming to America, I feel like you're at the pinnacle of just comparison, right? It's like, you know, who's there? The Kardashians, every celebrity, it's where (laughs) paparazzi are, you know, and all these, it's Hollywood. So having that comparison there and then feeling like you have to be a certain way and just realizing you don't have to be a certain way and you create your destiny. And just because everybody else is, you know, spray tanning, 
you don't have to spray tan. So I, I love that you shared, share that story. So last but not least, uh, act number 12, what is it? Yeah. So that was, that's the cheer squad. So that is the final rebellious act. Okay. The, so you've done a full circle. Sequence. Yes. Yes. And that one is the last one because I feel like it is probably the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Rebellious yeah. Act number 12, get your cheer squad, find your squad, find your tribe of women who you really connect with, um, you know, draw on the friends and family that you do feel supported and just, you know, let other people who love you, but don't necessarily understand, you know, watch from the backseat as you just shine. And, um, you know, it, it is, it is a, a privilege to, be on other women's cheer squads you know Mm -hmm. when you have somebody there who's like can you support me in in this like what an Mm -hmm. honor like that's just so so cool and I think the more that we support each other the more that you know we can overcome some of that very um isolated um some of those very isolated feelings that we we mentioned before yeah For, for sure for sure Thank you for this. And you've come out with a book called Reclaim the Rebel. Can you just give it like a little snippet about what that is? Yeah. So um, Reclaim the Rebel is um, a best friend on your shelf. So Mm. it includes all of the 12 rebellious acts that we mentioned in the podcast today, um, together with exercises, very easy, powerful game-changing exercises so that you can confidently step into a body that you feel um, good in, that you feel empowered in, you feel in peace in, even if you spent years at war with your body. Um, And these are things that I have discovered along my own journey. I know that they work because I'd live them Mm -hmm. (laughs) and my clients would live them. So, you know, there's exercises in that book that you can apply within your day to help you along your journey. And it includes um, also some of the battles that we might go through whilst we're practicing these exercises because I'm realistic (laughs) because I've gone through this. Like I know that there's gonna be battles along the way. So there's there's some support there as well um, in terms of how do you overcome some of the challenges that might crop up. How cool. I like that it's it's educational plus, plus with activation, right? You have, it almost seems like these activities where you can sit and apply them to your daily life because it's, it's great. And Danny to think about like, oh, that would be nice to change it, but we actually have to put in the work to change it. And it sounds like these activities will definitely help with that. So where can listeners find your book, learn more about you, uh, your Instagram handle, give us all of the things. The whole, the whole shebang. Um, so you can get my book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, and it's also available at reclaimtherebel.com. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram. That's probably the best, best way 
to connect with me. I share daily tips um, on some of these rebellious acts and more. Um, and as I mentioned, I also have a Facebook group called Your Cheer Squad. Um, you can join that and that's my community. It's free, no subscription or sign up is required. Um, so you can kind of just join that if you're looking for a community where um, you're going to feel supported in, in your journey. Awesome. And your Instagram is at nutrition by Liz, Lizzie, correct? Yes, that's correct. And Lizzie is spelled with a Y with a Y. Okay. Awesome. L I Z Z Y nutrition by Lizzie. I will leave all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me and for your listeners that are for tuning in. I really appreciate you. Such great conversation that I think needs to be had over and over again, because we are constant work. We require constant work, right? And if you love this episode, if you got anything out of today's podcast, please make sure you screenshot it, tag my Chicago came out tag. (laughs) I don't know. That was a little (laughs) Southern there, but tag, uh, nutrition by Lizzie and myself, Lauren period Kubat. We would love to see who is listening and remember you got this thank you so much for tuning in today if you love this episode make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available my goal is to inspire others to become their vision and one way to get the word out is with reviews I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes and it would mean so much to me Thanks again, and remember to go after the life you want. Bye, guys. Bye.